This episode of Beer and Bullshit is brought to you by Woodhouse Brewing Company, where they believe simplicity is a good thing. Try their lager, IPA, stout, and new raspberry sour, all available at the LCBO. Let's grab that bull by the horns. Beer and Bullshit, episode 26, coming at you on the Wednesday before Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. This is the Beer and Bullshit Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. Got a great show for you today. We are talking to the owners of a new brewery in Toronto called Red Tape Brewery. But before we get to my interview with Sean and Sarah Beth of Red Tape, I wanted to talk to you about blogging. I wanted to talk about lockdowns. And I want to talk about your listener feedback, okay? And yes, this is the part you can skip if you just here for the interviews. Because I'm about to... Oh, hang on, let me get out my soapbox. Here we go. Okay. Bullshit, Vix. Uh, I'm suggesting that you start blogging. That's what I wanted to say today. Start a blog, okay? I don't know if social media has killed blogging or, or where it went. Or if we don't have an attention span for actually sitting down and writing or actually sitting down and reading. But... Uh, where have the blogs gone? There's a lot of voices still in Ontario beer that are ones that started out with or had blogs as their home base. I think of Robin LeBlanc. I think of Stephen Beaumont, Jordan St. John. These are authors. But really, uh, they started with their blog or always had the blog as a home base. I'm already sick of saying the word blog, but I'm going to power through this. I started a blog around the same time I started writing for Blog T.O., and obviously I built that to become a vast multimedia beer empire. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, but I'm just saying as of late, it strikes me that there aren't a ton of voices out there talking about craft beer or beer in this province. Let's get some more, please. I'm really hoping as we uh, are on the edge of lockdown part two, which I'll talk about in a second, maybe this can be you know, a blog renaissance. Okay? If you're listening to this, uh, you're smart. You know beers. You have a voice. You have time. You have a computer. You've probably been thinking about starting a website. Why not? Build a little website, start interviewing people, tasting beers, and writing about it. We need new blood, okay? Those people out there that are already contributing their voices, get some stuff down. Start typing. David Sunley, I'm talking to you, okay? Not just you, but lots of people. I don't want to overinflate the importance of bloggers, but I would guess that this industry has been helped by the people who've been writing about it with a critical eye, not just the boosters, not just the Instagrammers who want free shit, but the people who actually take some time to write a thoughtful critique, ask those questions, talk to people, try beers, learn about the industry. Definitely, definitely, maybe not so much me, but the other writers I listed have helped grow this industry to what it is today. So we need more of that. We need diverse voices and new voices okay and if you want to get paid I'm a big proponent of that frankly that's why I don't write in my blog as much as I do I figure if you're good at something you should get paid for it but before you can do that it really does help to have a space where you can develop your voice where you can build a portfolio where you can make contacts and get out there in the world and just start fucking doing it I promise you if you're into it and it's meant to be you'll find a place to start to get paid for it I know Writing, getting paid to write, it's a difficult prospect right now, but just do it. If you've been thinking about it, you're on the fence, this is my 
this is my plea today. And also, shout out to the people who are blogging. Uh, Rob Arsenal, a.k.a. The Drunk Pokeroo, a.k.a. Ontario's favorite beer writer circa 2019. This is a guy who loves beer, like really, really loves beer. And so he set up a website. He started talking to people, going to breweries, visiting people. And he just spills his guts out and writes it. And we love it. Also, shout out to Alan McLeod. Yeah, I just shouted out Alan McLeod. Uh, craft beer's resident grumpiest curmudgeon ever. Uh, man, if you've been around the beer industry for a while, you've probably gotten into at least one argument with Al on Twitter. Uh, but shout out to Al because he's got uh, a space called A Good Beer Blog with an archive that goes back to 2012. This is the most prolific beer blogger and historian maybe ever. He's just churning shit out. And I know he understands the importance of beer writing and beer blogging because uh, he and I have actually aligned on Twitter recently on this conversation. So shout out to Alan. We don't always agree, but man, he's doing it and he gets it. Okay, enough of that bullshit. Start a blog. Next, I want to talk lockdowns briefly. I know it's not everyone's favorite subject, but lockdowns are here uh, the day after Christmas because it's, you know, safe until then. But then we got to lock it down. Anyway, uh, lockdowns are here. Let's do them and let's do them properly. That's all I want to say. I see a lot of people advocating for staying at home, but then I see them on Instagram. You know, I see your in-person get-togethers and the little sidearm hugs where you're not distancing. Knock that shit off, okay? People seem to think the rules only apply to other people. They apply to you, too. This doesn't work if it's, like, everyone but me. Because if we all think like that, we're fucked. And that's why the numbers are going up. And that's why our ICUs are filling up, okay? We saw it happen in the U.S. over Thanksgiving. It's probably going to happen in Canada over Christmas, too. But let's please do our best to lock it down, get the numbers down, get people out of our ICUs, let our healthcare and essential workers breathe a little bit and fucking try to get back to some semblance of normal sometime because we're all sick of this shit but that doesn't mean go out and pretend it's not happening okay lock it down frankly i want to normalize calling this shit out i'm fond of using the hashtag plague rat if you want to help me with that hashtag plague rat you see those people in your social media feeds that are clearly not distancing not staying at home not following the rules you just throw a hashtag plague rat on their photo. Sure, it's getting me unfriended. I don't care. I don't want to be friends with the plague rat. There's also a virus emoji. It's helpful. You just drop a little virus emoji on those posts. Normalize calling this shit out, okay? Your mask is below your nose. Plague rat. I'm going to call you out in Chopper's Drug Mart. You're hanging out with your buds. Plague rat. I'm going to call that shit out. I know. This is a time of year when we think about family, but this year... Weirdly enough, thinking about being with family means not being with family. We want to get back to that as soon as we can. Don't just pop by people's houses for Christmas. Don't think you can sneak a little family dinner. Please, I know I'm just a podcaster, but there's a couple hundred people that listen to this, so if I can prevent some of you from having that Christmas dinner you're on the fence about, maybe I can prevent a few people from ending up in an ICU. Lock it down. Okay. Uh, Enough of that bullshit. Uh, I want to talk about your feedback. First of all, I love it. Thank you. 99% of the feedback we get to bullshit 
beerandbullshit.ca slash contact is positive. And I hope you guys enjoy those listener email episodes that Chris and I do because we have fun doing them. So we're still going to keep doing them. Hopefully you enjoy them too. Uh, but there's some I don't read because I do get an odd amount of listener feedback that's like thanking me for praising loggers in a way that's like explicitly saying Ontario beer is shitty. And to those people, a uh, fuck you. Because that's not what I'm saying. People are like, oh, finally someone's talking about lager. So much shit beer in Ontario. Or there's so many shit beers. I've actually had people say there's so many shit beers in Ontario. It's nice to help find the nuggets of goodness. There's not. That's not what this is. That's not why I like lagers. Ontario beer is fantastic because it runs the gamut of experimentation and innovation. Yes, Ontario is moving to a place where we're making amazing and well-balanced uh, lagers and pilsners, and it's fantastic because of the beers you just want to drink and be like, wow, I could just drink a million of these. That doesn't mean the other beers aren't fantastic, too. That doesn't mean that the fantastic stuff coming out of Fairweather or the fantastic stuff coming out of Reverence or the fantastic things that are coming out of Bellwoods or Indy that aren't lagers and pilsners are shit. So... It seems to have become a bit of a running theme on this show that I drink these so-called dad beers exclusively. That's not the case, and I'm not advocating that those are the only kind of beers we should make. That's fucking ridiculous. We make fantastic beers in Ontario. Keep the experimentation up. I'm not uh, somehow advocating that the weird beers are shit, if you think that's what I'm doing. Listen more closely. Okay? Thanks. That's all. Uh, enough of that bullshit. Let's get on with the interview. Uh, I talked this week to Red Tape Brewery, uh, who seem to have become a bit of uh, Toronto media darlings. I don't know if it's because they've got kind of a unique business model, uh, or maybe because they've got someone reaching out on their behalf, or maybe because there's something new and fun to talk about during a pandemic and uh, people are jumping on it. But I've kind of seen them around after interviewing them uh Yesterday, I actually saw them in Toronto Life today, and during my interview, I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but we actually had to pause because a photographer was there. But it's fun, and I like it, and they seem like good folks, and I like their business model. So uh, here is probably my probably the last interview of 2020. Uh, I'll take a week off for Christmas, and we will get back on schedule uh, probably Wednesday, January 6th. I have some awesome guests lined up for the new year. Stay tuned. As always, uh, send me your feedback. You can follow us at Bullshit Beer on Twitter or uh, we're on Instagram at Beer and Bullshit. And uh, contact me at beerandbullshit.ca slash contact. Enjoy your holiday season. Uh, please safely support small businesses if you can. Order takeout. Get some beer to go. We are on the verge of a lockdown and a long winter. Help out people where you can. Be kind to one another. Wash your hands. Okay, here's my interview. Merry Christmas. Okay, so give me your what's your what's your elevator pitch for Red Tape Brewery? So we're a bespoke brewery that was inspired by our son. When I was pregnant with our first son Raymond, um, Sean has been home brewing for ten years, and he had brewed Celebration Saison, which is an orange ginger saison. And we bottled it up. I designed some labels that said Baby Holden, open when notified. And we shipped it out to our friends and family across the land because we're not originally from Toronto. 
And so the night that Ray was born on January 11th, 2018, uh, Sean sent out text messages saying, the baby's here. And then we were flooded with pictures coming back of people cheersing to the birth of our son. And it was just a really great experience. So that's where the idea of Bespoke Brewing came from. Cool. That's a cool idea. Um, you did a Saison, which maybe doesn't uh, age all that well. But I know there is there used to be a tradition where you would do a beer for someone's birth and then you'd like put away a case and try it every year. You could get a saison, like because especially since it's well, one it was a saison that we'd done on champagne yeast and yeah. we worked it. So with that respect, the saison would sort of pick up the it would dry out more and pick up some complexity from that. And again, like saisons, like there's I like brewing them just because there's such a, a gamut. And like you're given a lot of flexibility with yeah. the style and what you can do with it. You can have it hot, you can have it clean, you can have it fruit forward or just as a traditional, or you can get some wild yeast in there. We're not doing any wild yeast here, uh, just because it's a production brewery, but right. eventually at some point we'd like to do that. Did you uh, set aside one bottle to be Raymond's first legal beer? <laughs> no. No, we opened the brewery instead. So <laughs> There'll be beer. lots of beer around for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious about the bespoke aspect. I mean, sometimes I hear that word and it feels a little like buzzy. I know what it means, but I mean, I'm just curious about the making beer custom for each customer. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah. So we have a small brew house. It's only three and a half barrels. So that's what allows us to do small batch brewing for bespoke. So the process is, you know, we meet with a client and we sit down, we talk about their events. So maybe it's a wedding, a milestone birthday, maybe it's a corporate event, a celebration, an IPO, something like that. Uh, so we sit down and we get to know the client, you know, what their favorite styles are. Are there any flavors that they want to incorporate, fruits, vegetables? If there's a bouquet involved, are there any flowers that they want to incorporate into the beer? What is the menu if there is a menu for the event? Um, so we just get to know them, have a conversation, and then uh, we step back, design the beer, and then, you know, say, this is what we're thinking. Um, it, one couple that we spoke with, you know, they wanted to incorporate their colors, and their colors were blue and orange, I believe, right? Yeah. So what were the, what were those ones again? Can you remember? It was going to be, uh, so the orange, hers was orange, so we were going to have, like, orange and uh, peach. Orange and a stone fruit, and we're gonna do a again a saison or something, something like that for that side. And then his side was blue, so it was blueberry and raspberry. So we were gonna do a, a hefeweizen kind of thing with that and play on that. So the idea of like having the labels, where the labels again, like you have blue, blue and orange, and the color wheel are complementary too. Yep. So that really together for that labeling. I took grade twelve labels. art. I know complementary colors. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Culture and food is like really the two major things. Is if is this for a wedding or an event? Look, looking at what your menu is, looking at what your caterers put out, people have an idea of what their food is going to be like before they come and start talking about their beer. Or and so from that we can we can work with that. We've made I've made just like sort of on trials and stuff like that with different people. I've made a a cucumber beer because people had bomby sandwiches. So it's mm. like really pairing cool. off of that or. Uh, we, for a, for a friend's cousin, we made a beer. It was a, it was a Filipino uh, event. So there's a fruit called calamansi, which is a like tropical, like lime kumquat. So it's incorporating wow. that. So it's it's like a, I guess it'd be like a, a stronger yuzu kind of thing. 
but it was just amazing seeing the and it's those olfactory and flavor memories that really bring out events in people. It was great having the Calamansi where there's these 55 year old uh, Filipino guys from New Jersey just like freaking out because they're having like, <laughs> it's like this is amazing. So it's just really bringing and they, again it's like trying to tell a story that so, and someone that you something that you couldn't get from going off and sort of buying off the rack so to speak yeah yeah no it's an interesting it's a very interesting business model to me it's i'm struck by how much planning you must have to do for like so far in advance you must have to know this client this client this client in order to make sure that you're you know you've got batches lined up and then you're throwing off some pretty experimental recipes what if it gets to the day of and it doesn't work that's (laughs) we we're typically we want six to eight weeks of uh, lead time. Absolute minimum. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just because we have able design to get in there too. So, you know, we have to, I, I love to plan. So, <laughs> you know, thinking about how long it takes to make the label and actually have the label printed. So making sure that we have that already, we have to make sure that the beer is perfect and that we can get it into cans and we get the quantity that you need. So with our current system, you know, we can do about a thousand cans. So if a client is looking for more than a thousand cans then we need additional time so that we can brew additional batches. Hmm. Um, That's also the part of the layout. When everyone we spoke to said, don't skimp on your fridge space. Mm-hmm. So we have about 400 square feet. 300. 300 square feet. 300 square feet. Like basically, almost all of our basement is our walk-in fridge. Cool. So our space is tiny. We're yeah. less than a thousand square feet at ground level, and then we have our basement. So in our basement, we have about 300 square feet of fridge space, a couple washrooms, and um, some storage space. So it's it's been a lot of fun as people are coming in. They're like, "So you brew here, and then you send it off to put it into cans." And we're like, "No, we can it all here." So the great thing about, you know, the size of our brewery and, and what we're doing is that we brew it here, we put it into cans, it goes straight into the fridge and then out to the client. So it's always at that perfect temperature until it gets into your hands. Yeah. It's like a so it, 150 travel time, a travel distance for the, the whole process kind of thing. That's cool. Is there, I mean, at COVID times, but is there a tasting room? Like people can go in and have a couple on site? Yeah, we're sitting in it right now. Yeah. Uh, it's really beautiful. <laughs> Actually, I have heard that, and people have been people have been promoting on Instagram, like people beer people that live in your neighborhood have been blowing up my Instagram. <laughs> that's great. It's and that's that's the the community really uh, supporting us and rallying around us. And the whole whole oh my god, you're opening during COVID. The idea was really to have like draft and uh, like services here and have like being able to put stuff into kegs. We've got everything set up for once COVID is over and we can welcome people into the tap room. We have a really beautiful tower that has six taps lined up. All of our draft lines are hooked up and uh, we've got a beautiful white oak bar, white oak and concrete. Nice. Uh, we worked with Hello Architecture, which is a small architect- architectural firm here um, to help us create the space because you know we knew that we were designing for events and we wanted it to be part of the experience. Whenever you're planning a wedding or a special event, then part of it is going into these places and, you know, having a glass of champagne while you try on dresses, for example. So we wanted to create that as well, but as a couple experience. So you come in and you get to sample the beers that we have while we have these conversations. And so you come and you sit down at these marble tables at our leather banquette and just is part of the experience. Very cool. It'll also be open to the public once COVID is over. 
I can, as you're saying this, I can picture like you guys becoming friendly with wedding planners and they have their meetings in your thing. Yeah, it's a good idea. Actually, as you're talking, like you've taken something that I've long thought of uh, brewers have been irritated by and you've made it into a business opportunity because I've in 10 years, I've seen so many emails where people are like, hey, I have a great opportunity for your company. I'm having a big party. I want your beer. Can you slap my label on your beer? And most brewers are like, fuck off. I'm trying to sell beer. You guys are like, well, let's sell them that beer and make them part of the process. So it's a, it's a great idea. Oh, hey, Ben. Hey, Chris. What's up? Well, uh, I know Indy Alehouse is uh, in Toronto as a sponsor of this show. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And you say they're in Toronto, right? But you said that. Yep, that's true. I did say that, didn't I? So you always talk about having food and beer under the same roof. And uh, you talked about their patio, but we're entering the winter months. So uh, I see where you're going with this, Chris. It's just with Toronto in lockdown now, how do people support our sponsor, Indy? Well, Chris, I'm glad you asked because they are still offering Ontario-wide delivery service from their online bottle shop. Uh, all you need to do is select what you want to order and check it out. Uh, your beer will be delivered within a few business days through ICS. And obviously, they're still doing local delivery and uh, food takeout. And then you can uh, you can also pick up beer to go at their Eadley location on the second floor. And as always, Instigator IPA is in the LCBO. Awesome. Sounds like a lot of options uh, to get that NDL House beer that we love so much. Yeah, you're kind of an idiot for asking, actually. Well, I was glad that I asked until you called me an idiot. Oh, I gotta go. See you later. Can you tell me a little bit about your brewing background? Is it home brewing and you mentioned a, a brewing club. Yeah, yeah so I guess I, I grew up uh, in Bankley Kill. So you may okay. be thinking my location from a specific brewery that's opened up there. So yeah. The I'm, only reason I know that city, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was actually in the same grade as uh, Stephen Beauchamp. So okay. We met at Bo's Oktoberfest. So. Oh, nice. So I've known, um, I've, I've known the Beauchamps for like, decades, and I've known all, all the guys, all the people who worked there forever. And when they were first expanding, they would have events in, in Toronto. Like, they'd go to like, the Queen of Beaver or the Rhino and have events there and like tasting things. And they'd be, it was really interesting when they were in innovative that they were kind of importing the, importing the brewer rather than importing the beer. So that was a really like interesting aspect, but I was really, and that was before the LCBO had really gotten into distributing the different styles around Ontario. So they were being, these beers were being made and being available in Eastern Ontario, Ottawa area, Cornwall area, but they weren't making it past Kingston. So I was seeing all these beers and really wanting to try them, but rather than import them, I was just, okay, well, let's go back and do the research and go through like the classic brewing books uh, and figure out how to make it on my own. So I want to try a triple. I want to try a Saison. I want to try a Schwartz beer. I want to try all these different, these different styles and the easiest way was to make it, make it on my own. And so then- It's not where I would go with it, but okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, at one point I was gonna do, uh, I had the choice of really going into like computer science or, or culinary school and I chose computer science, but I've always had that kind of cooking, mad scientist alchemy kind of thing, so. And I maybe uh, 
guess jumping ahead, but I feel like the dynamic is that you're kind of the creative and Sarah Beth, you're the, the business side and the planning side. So what's what's your what's your background in business? Uh, the beginning part of my career, I was a self-employed project management consultant. So I worked on a lot of projects with the federal government, primarily doing IT implementations. And then when I moved to Toronto uh, for love, it was after Sean and I had met. I had been living in Ottawa before. Um, I, I worked in film for a little bit. And then at the province, uh, I was a, a policy analyst and then I had Ray and I went back to consulting for a bit but that was when we decided to open the brewery like this is something we really want to do and something we want to create and something that we're passionate about so I took all of my experience you know in running a business I had never built anything bricks and mortar everything I had done was service related so um, you know putting together that plan and as a as a project manager it was definitely in my wheelhouse to put together this plan um, and so then, you know, determining all the systems that we'll be using for reporting because alcohol is a highly regulated industry. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I do. So you have, uh, some government background. Is that where the red tape name comes from or is that something you guys? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, so I was homebrewing when I, and, uh, Dan Grant from Run to yep. Beer. Yeah. He was writing an article on on homebrewing and just like the different ways people can do that. Like uh, the, going to like the brew your own spots or doing it on your own or doing extract or doing all these different things. And so he came, I was doing all grain. He came to my, my condo at the time and I brewed a batch with him. And then at the end of the article, at the end of the interview, he asked me what the name of my brewery was. And to that point I'd been kind of just Labeling, labeling my carboys, labeling my buckets, everything I had. Everyone knows like the, the dollar store roll of like four different colors of electrical tape. Yeah. So I had just been using electrical tape to, to label. Yeah. <laughs> so I had this bottle with like my note, kind of notes for the, the bottles. And it had the three different strips of red electrical tape on it. He asked me what the name of my brewery was. Red tape? <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty good. So right after you say it, you realize it's right. You're like, oh, yeah, that's perfect. There we go. So well, at the time, I still lived in Ottawa. And uh, Sean and I love to give each other gifts for Valentine's Day. And my neighbor and beer drinking buddy, Luke, uh, is a graphic designer. And I was like, hey, would you be interested in putting together a logo for Sean for me? I want to make him a tap handle for his kegerator. And so Luke designed the label and he, he knew that I worked in government uh, at the time. So he wrote the letters as if they were made with red tape. And then the scissors are cutting through the red tape. Um, and then the tips are, the tips kind of look like devil horns. So they represent the evilness of bureaucracy around craft beer in Ontario. Okay. I was going to say, <laughs> how ironic has that name become as you guys have taken three years to build a brewery? You're like, the last thing we want to talk about is red tape. <laughs> and now, you know, the, the province has a ministry of innovation and red tape reduction. Yeah. <laughs> they should have their, you guys need to make a beer for their Christmas parties. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys, um, what are you looking to bring to the Ontario beer scene that maybe it's lacking, but I, I think your business model is pretty unique in itself. So maybe that's what you're the void you're looking to fill. Yeah. No one else in North America is doing what we're doing. Or anywhere. I guess 
someone called it uh, consumer bespoke or consumer uh, contract kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's really, we love like working with people during these really milestone events. And it's just, it's just awesome to like work with them on that and mm-hmm. see them like, and it's, it's really like them realizing what they can do with beer. And you're talking with people, they're like, yeah, we want something kind of like this brand or kind of like that brand. And at certain points, you can actually tell them you're thinking too small. Hmm. Like you, you, you can, you have carte blanche. Like, like you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to make a Coors Light. <laughs> you don't have to make a Coors Light or a Keith's or a Steam Whistle or whichever. Like th- those are all great beers, but if you want that. Yeah, go, go so, so far it's been all over. It's just been over Zoom because of the pandemic. Right. So once we're actually see, able to see people in person, it'll be really wonderful. Yeah. It is cool. I feel like most brewers that I've spoken to, the last thing in the world they want is more input on the recipes. So you guys are definitely picking up where they don't want that, I guess. Maybe I'll talk to you in five years. <laughs> yeah, I have way more gray hair. Yeah. But that, again, that was part of the decision for the sizing of our, our brewery and our brew house. Like, as people kind of going bigger and bigger and going to like we could have started off at five or seven or 10, 10 heck or whatever. And we went with, I guess it's, it's four. So that's like, cause that is that space where you're doing a, a small event. We can accommodate that. You're doing a really big event. Like we can, we can accommodate that like a really big event. Like if it's like a convention center, that might be a bit excessive and we'd have to work around that, but that's a nice problem to have, but really having that, maneuverability and just being able to again like you were saying if, if the recipe doesn't work kind of thing like we can get a couple batches in and have people trying it out through the process too nice um so how many how many batches have you done so far have you worked with a lot of uh customer or custom orders stuff no like that's because because of the, the weddings and pandemic and stuff like that yeah. we've done some like friend and family trial stuff but we haven't got like we've got a ton of ton of input and a ton of requests for yeah. more information but so many people are like questioning what the next six months like what right. what is may june july next year you're gonna like um maybe you it, need to market it to bes- i could use a bespoke keg beside my home desk here so maybe <laughs> well the other thing that we've you know we've talked to some clients about um is we can can everything so if people are still doing Zoom weddings next summer, which is entirely possible, we can can it and ship it to their friends and family across Ontario. Um, so that if they're joining in on their Zoom meeting, on their Zoom wedding, then they can participate that way too. Like it yeah. makes a great wedding favor. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, it's sent out ahead of time so that, like I guess some Christmas parties this year are doing the Uber Eats uh, stipend or this, whatever or that, like if you had, your bespoke beer that has been sent out to everyone on that event. Like you're not just sharing a meal, you're sharing that beer together or like lead tastings or anything like that where we've gone through and set up for everyone. So do you have, I know you have a pale ale without just the always be on or it's just like we wanted something to just have on. That was easy. That was the, the reception for that's been really exceptional like, yeah it's been amazing yeah. and the name is a joke about how hard it is to open a brewery much during a much less during a pandemic and i mean we opened during a lockdown yeah yeah <laughs> it's 
crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. So it's like just like people really picking up and picking up on the name, and yeah. maybe once things get easier, maybe it'll be that was easier. I don't know. Like we, we could. That's your imperial paleo. That was yeah, imperial, <laughs> imperial paleo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're canning another batch on Wednesday, just yeah. in time for Christmas. Nice. Uh, Celebration Saison, which is the orange ginger Saison, which was the original Raymond beer. Nice. I love Cap a good Saison. Yeah. Captain Bosey's Porter. We've still got a few cans left. And also is Ray of Sunshine, which is our IPA dry hopped with Citra. And that just flew out the door. Yeah. Nice. And then I guess we've got like one of the, I guess the, the difficulties of being I can like bottle shop only right now is that one of our major delays for anything is labels. Mm. We need two to three weeks turnaround time for our our labels. Meanwhile, if it was kegs, put in a keg and put it on a, put it on a tap handle right now. So we've got uh, another pale ale, more of a New England style pale ale that's uh, basically ready to go, but we just need need the labels to be able to sell it. Yeah, just wrap it in red tape. You're done. <laughs> and that's a lot of people said that like the like going like it's once you've once you've kind of stepped forward and like polished the product going back to the old ways of like, oh yeah, I'm going to kind of print this on my printer and then like tape and glue it onto the like the can or whatever and stuff like that. Just Sarah Beth was super emotionally like, it, it hit her really big when we saw people setting up our cans for their own Instagram. And it was just like, holy smokes. Yeah. People like people are, are rooting for us and enjoying this product that much that they're taking the time and they're using their channels to promote us basically, which is great to promote their uh, affinity for what we're doing. I yeah. do get really emotional and excited when people share beer on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's right. It's like, I made that. Yeah. Lighting up our cans. That's, that's it, that's it. That's it. So after that, that's going back and like, like taking a piece of red, uh, red electrical tape and writing blah blah blah, like shoulders to giants, la la la, and like handing it out to people. That yeah, not so cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was going to ask about. I typically ask about trends. Are there trends in Ontario beer that you're excited about or that you loathe? I mean, your business model will seem. I don't know if your trends will filter in from the people that want bespoke beer or the rush for hops and the rush for sours. I think that's been the two. Like we do, we are uh, planning to do a kettle sour. It's just having the the, the time, the, the kettle time, basically more than anything else to have it sour. But we like we've done that. It's called the Sarah Sarasota. It's the uh, the sour that we've done. So it's like playing off that. Like and there's like really again a lot of flexibility within those flavors, like and changing, changing the hops, changing if you fruit it, changing if you treat it. Like we're not, again, we're not going to be using any uh, wild yeast for that. Um, and the, the hop, really the hop battle is like really interesting too. It's thing that elevate and elevate. That's interesting to see, uh, but everyone loves IPAs and we, lo we love IPAs too. So it's, they, they fly, off the, fly off the shelves and we love to drink them. So it's, I don't, I don't see that as being going anywhere or being problematic at all. Mm -hmm. all sours. I really love sours. That's why it's called Sarah Sour Soda. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> People always call me Sarah, even though my name is Sarah Beth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had, we had made the, the first kind of play at a label for that was, um, I don't know if you remember the 
was it Michaela from the U.S. Olympic team? The, the, where she did the whole Michaela's like, not impressed? <laughs> no. It's like, a, <laughs> like an Olympic meeting kind of thing where she got, uh, she got second, she got silver, and she was like very, I guess the word would be petulant. She okay. was very upset about it. So the first idea was like Sarah Vest, not, not, not impressed, was the name of the beer before uh, we called it Sarah Sour Soda. Nice. Is she a, is she a, a pole vaulter? I'm picturing, I'm picturing it was like a, a gymnast. She was a gymnast, yeah. Oh, okay. It was the, the Adam, Adam Crowley, I guess is the, the coach was or whatever. Yeah. So she was like an all around gymnast. I think she got, it was for vault or something like that, that she got silver even though everyone. I've heard some obscure beer references, but that's my first Olympic gymnastics. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Top selling name, beer inspired by a disgruntled uh, U.S. Olympic gymnast in the 2004 Olympics. That's Got it. If you want to do a Ben Johnson one, I mean, uh, come do a collab. <laughs> there we go. We can 30, run. We can run with Dan over here to the brew day. That's right. <laughs> um, so there's only a handful of female-owned breweries that I can think of, and uh, zero indigenous-owned breweries in Ontario. So I, I'm, you know, interested to learn. I, I think this is an industry that needs more diverse voices. I'm interested to learn what you guys think about why it's important to bring diversity perspective of perspectives into the industry. Human beings are diverse. Yeah. Um, you know, Sean showed me this cover of a magazine a couple months ago, and it was um, a mosaic of all these white guys and beards. It was like the Brewers Journal, I think. Uh, cover. Oh yeah. And then it was, just, it was like everyone looked like me. It was like a bunch of bunch of white guys and beards. Yeah. Look at every brewery's Instagram. It's a bunch of white people enjoying beer somewhere. Yeah. Usually uh, men. Yeah, for us, it's really important. Um, uh, I think it's so important, you know, it's not just white guys and beers who are drinking beer. Um, there's, there's a lot of beer drinkers and especially now that craft beer has so many offerings. Um, it, I, for me, it's really important and I'm meeting a lot of women in beer. Uh, Mary Beth from Granite, who's awesome. Ren Navarro from Beer Diversity is doing so much work and, you know, just highlighting, you know, all all of the great people who are in beer who aren't white guys with beards. I mean, white guys with beards are great. Obviously, yeah. I married one. <laughs> yeah. it, it was really awesome. Like the other day we were uh, working with the canning line. I guess it was our second or third canning day. And we had some of our, our neighbors reach out to, to help us. And so it was Sarah Beth and like it was, it was three women running our canning line. And it was like them troubleshooting the technology and going through and figuring out the carbonation levels and temperature levels and then just diagnosing all these things. And it was just really amazing to see these three strong, educated, like able women like packaging our beer and working on that. It was like just it was just it was awesome. Two of us who breastfeed. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. of, wow canning. <laughs> Yeah. I'll just I'll, I'll go back a little bit because we the canning line was such a steep learning curve and so we weren't anticipating it to be that much of a learning curve and we just we needed additional bodies to help us out so we all masked up in our rubber boots and put on rubber boots and just got to it 
Nice. Um, yeah, so I think, in, you know, in terms of diversity, it's not just, you know, ethnic diversity, it's like the diversity of human beings. So I'm really excited because we're doing a really, really cool collaboration for June for Pride, where we're going to be doing six uh, collaborations with people who are LGBTQ2S, and so creating six different beers with people. And so this kind of goes back to the bespoke idea. You know, we can brew beer and you can buy that beer and, you know, we can say that we brewed it for you. But the idea of bespoke is that we're brewing with you. So, you know, in order to celebrate pride, uh, we want to brew with people who are LGBTQ2S and just create this rainbow so that we can celebrate, celebrate that diversity of them. Nice. Now, are you going to brew beers that are seven different colors? So it's an actual rainbow coming out of your top line. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> One's, uh, yeah, it's tan. Uh, Bunch of different shades of gold. Yeah, different gold, yeah. Uh, we do have a, a few beers that will be coming out in 2021 that are very Inuit-inspired or Nuna. Nuna is Inuit for land. Um, so, you know, the territory Nunavut, it's Nuna is the land and Vut is our, so that's, it just means our land. Um, so a few years ago, Sean had come up to Pannopto, Pangertung, where my family is from. And we were there at the end of July and there's this really beautiful plant called Baumna. The English word is dwarf fireweed, but it's this beautiful fragrant flower um, that you can make tea out of. So we picked a whole bunch, brought it back down, dried it out, and Sean made a Pangertung Pauna Saison. Whoa. So last summer, you know, in preparation for the brewery, and, you know, we had all these sorts of COVID delays and we couldn't go to Nunavut, uh, a bunch of my cousins went out and they picked pounds and pounds and pounds of Pauna. Uh, and they dried it out. So everyone has a furnace room up north. And so they were drying it out just like they would make Niku. Niku is dried caribou meat, which is one of my top favorite foods. Um, so, you know, that's a lot of pounda to get three pounds of, you know, dried flowers. So we're going to be doing a pounda saison, which is going to be epic. You know, it's wow. just fragrant and light and beautiful. Uh, we're also going to do a kaniok IPA. Kaniok is sculpin if you're familiar with another famous IPA that's out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've reached out to um, someone from a company called Gapitep. Gapitep is um, how you say really good coffee. Kapi is just like an anglicized word in Inuktitut. Okay. Because it's an introduced product. Uh, so we may be doing a coffee stout in collaboration with Gapitep which is a company that supports um, programming and, and uh, you know, activities in which is Cambridge Bay. Very cool. Wow. There was a lot there. I'm like, let's go back. <laughs> that was, that was not, you told she, she's also the president of the Toronto Inuit Association. So. Okay. Yes. So I'm interested in the Saison because I'm already pairing it with dried caribou in my head now. When do I get the, Where can I get <laughs> That would be amazing. Yeah. Or any kind of berries with the, the blueberries and stuff. Oh, yeah. There, so Pauna is the flower and then Pauna is a berry. So oh, I don't know the English word for this berry. It might be a crowberry, but I'm not sure. I always get confused. But it's this very tart, little tiny berry and it's very dark. And, you know, you bite in it, it just like pops. It's so juicy. 
and it's so delicious. I don't know if we'll end up doing something like that. Yes. A sour might be good, yeah, actually. So, and again, this is like Sarah Beth's, uh, family has family up in Baffin Island. I think that's in, in uh, Pangerton, too. So it's really. So you're putting people to work uh, harvesting ingredients for you, basically. Yeah. It's, it's family, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I think you've that that answered the question of why diversity in beer is awesome. Because look at the like three beers you just rhymed off that you'll be making that I've never heard of anything like that. So, yeah, more of that, more of that, that please. Like a thousand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but the fact that we were we we're doing a short run of it, like, like we wouldn't be able to do like a, like, a, like a really huge batch of that just because of the the labor and love and yeah. ordeal of getting all those ingredients down from Baffin Island. So. Yeah. Right. It's not a mass produced kind of thing. You know, fauna is something that grows wild and it grows on the tundra. And not every year can you anticipate having the same harvest because it's really dependent on the temperature and the weather. And, you know, you can't predict that. It's when you're in the Arctic, it's you're reminded of how small you are as a human being, that the world is bigger than you are, that the land that Mother Earth is the one who makes all the decisions. Did you grow up in Baffin Island? Uh, my family moved every two years when I was growing up. Uh, and then we would go to Nunavut for about six months at a time in between there. So I grew up, my sister and I were born in Halifax and we lived all over New Brunswick, Ontario and Nunavut. Okay, cool. Our community here, our community up north, it's Really where actually we kind of glossed over that i know you're in east toronto but where for people that are listening that have never seen your spot our, yet our address is 159 main street it's at the corner of maine and gerard which is in the upper beaches neighborhood okay and if people wanted to reach out to start making you know custom beer for their they can email us at celebrate at redtapebrewery.com which is also on our website awesome well good luck and thank you for talking to me today Thanks, Ben. Nice to meet you, too.
revoir.